Welcome to the Business Bound podcast, where authors of business books chat with me, Tasha Glasgow, about their books. In this episode, I talk to Avery Swartz about her book, See You on the Internet, Building Your Small Business with Digital Marketing. Avery is the founder and CEO of Cap Tech, the tech workshop company for non-technical people. She was ranked number five on Search Engine Journal's top 50 women in marketing list. She's also the resident tech expert on CTV Your Morning, highlighting the latest tech gadgets, apps, and news for a national audience. Avery has been a professor at both Ryerson University and Humber College. We talk about common mistakes on small business websites, how to choose the right social media platform for your business, how SEO is like losing weight, and more. This episode is sponsored by The Pod Squad, the podcast agency that books experts on relevant podcasts to increase their visibility and help them spread their message to a new audience. Full disclosure, my day job. Check out thepodsquad.com. Welcome to the show, Avery. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Your book, See You on the Internet, is it's a really excellent primer for any small business getting started online. Uh, you cover everything. You cover it so much. You cover everything from domain names and SEO and, and email marketing. And I, I want to dig into some of those some, some of those areas in, in this interview. Um, but first, tell me tell me about your framework for getting started in digital marketing. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I have a background of uh, being a, a practitioner in this area. I used to run a web studio, uh, and I also own a company that teaches all of this stuff, like really practical digital marketing and tech skills for what I call normal people, <laughs> like, uh, you know, people, people that, that maybe haven't studied this in school, that don't come from a marketing or digital background, um, people that are very, very intelligent, but that it just doesn't come naturally to. So I found that both through my client work and also based on what we were teaching at, uh, at my company, both myself and the other instructors, it all kind of boiled down to this very simple, and, and it's kind of deceptively simple, this framework for approaching how you think about any digital marketing activity. Uh, and I break it down into some very, very simple steps. And what's so deceptive about the framework is that when I explain it, it sounds quite simple. It, it almost sounds too simple to be true. Uh, but I found that when I work with people, they don't actually do it. <laughs> they they don't go through <laughs> the steps. Um, so so the steps are to first pause for a moment before you just leap right into you know trying a new social media platform or or going with a, a new digital marketing channel. Maybe just pause for a moment and identify what are your business goals. And what are your marketing goals that then tie back to your business goals? And your marketing goals should always support your business goals. So I encourage you to be as specific as you can. Um, you know, most people will just say that their business goals are to make more money, which is a wonderful goal. It's what a lot of us have, but but let's be a little bit more specific than that. So, you know, how are you going to make that money with, you know, from what kind of clients, what kind of product are you going to sell or service? And also put a timeline on it if you can. So quantify it as much as you can. And then look to whatever you're going to do in your marketing that's going to support that goal. Then plan it out. Um, 
and and this is where a lot of people kind of stop. They, they like I said, they just rush headlong into uh, you know trying something new because it seems shiny and new. And also plan for how you're going to measure how you're doing. This is a big thing because uh, you know when any of us go to look at any type of marketing data, we are overwhelmed with way too much information. It can be hard to find like the signal in the noise, trying to find the piece of the metric or the data that is actionable and that actually gives us some insight into what's working and what's not. So you need to identify which data point you're going to look at before you even begin. Uh, so then take a measurement of where you are right now because you'll never know how far you've gone if you don't measure at the beginning. Uh, then make a big leap and and go forth with w- whatever marketing activity you want to do. Um, and then that's what we talk about a lot in the book. You know, lots about all the different things that you can do. And then once you've done it, measure again. Measure using that same metric, that same data point that you were looking at at the beginning. And then take five seconds at least to identify what you've learned before you kind of spin the wheel and, and go through the process again. And the important thing is this doesn't have to be, you know, a very grueling, complicated process where you end up writing, you know, say a 50-page marketing plan. Um, th- this can really just kind of happen on the fly. You can just jot it down in a notebook. But the important part is that you that you stop to think about it before you just dive right in. Yeah, I... I didn't mention to you earlier that I was a digital marketer. I kind of still am. Amazing. <laughs> uh, for, ooh, I mean, technically for about 15 years. And I've been working with clients for about 10 years. And something else I'd throw into the points that you made is to be realistic. Yes. Because <laughs> so many people are not realistic. And, and they will be like, well, I want, I want to make X amount or I want how many visitors to my site in the first three months. And you're kind of like, uh, kind of uh, hold on there, you know, yeah. Kind of, let's, let's, yeah. Let's yeah. Be realistic yeah. About as well. and, and, and setting those, those quantifiable goals. And then, so the once, once you start, um, you know, maybe you're like, okay, I, I want a lot of traffic to my website. So I'm really going to go hard on my search engine optimization efforts. And then you realize, oh, well, you know, that goal that I set for 10,000 new web visitors a day or something, maybe that wasn't so realistic. So then you you learn that and then you can, you know, plan for it in the next cycle. That's what I like about it is that it's iterative and it just goes around and around and around. It's kind of exhausting because you're never done, <laughs> but, but it's also yeah. exciting because you're never done. <laughs> Would you recommend that every business has their own website or do you think there's some circumstances in which a business can get away with, say, just using Facebook? You know, this I, I I'm very weary of of having very hard opinions that that don't mm-hmm. um, you know waver much or very absolute. But this is one where I, I am a bit of a stickler. Um, I I do think it's essential for for any business that's trying to attract clients or customers. You must have your own website, and and the reason why is because I saw so many small businesses, these wonderful small business owners with big hearts, you know, trying to to reach their clients and customers and and do wonderful things in their communities. Um, I saw a lot of them, you know, kind of eschewing the idea of making a website in favor of something that's a little bit, you know, less technically intense, mm-hmm. like having a Facebook page or, you know, building building your home on social media in some way or, or, you know, building it anywhere other than just on your own website. 
And then, uh, you know, so many of us saw what happened with with Facebook in particular in the last few years, um, where after the Cambridge Analytica scandal, uh, Facebook started to significantly down play um, the visibility of business pages on Facebook. So all of those wonderful small business owners that had built their home online on Facebook were finding that they could no longer reach their customers or clients. They weren't seeing the visibility that they were before. Um, and then they went, oh, darn it. I wish I hadn't spent the last three years or four years, however much it had been, in investing all of that time. It's not so much money. It was more just time into building out that Facebook profile um, when I really should have just built it on my own website. And sorry, that's not to say that you shouldn't have a Facebook profile. I'm totally cool with you having a Facebook page for your business. I think it's great if it makes sense for you, but it shouldn't be a substitute for your own website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Always have a property that you control. That's just it. Um, You know, I I have these friends, uh, I have lots of wonderful, very nerdy friends. um, (laughs) And uh, I I think we were doing in in 2019 uh, was the year that we we just kept saying like, 2019 owned properties for 2019, (laughs) like where we were all just doubling down on our, our actual websites and our web presences. And then also email marketing. Email marketing is another thing that for the most part, you can control all of it. Like you can, you can use different email marketing um, providers to help you get your email messages out, but you own your list. And and really, mm-hmm. you know, between your website and your email marketing, that's some of the only digital properties that you can have full control over yourself. So, yes, I'm a big fan of owned properties online. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. You talk about domain names. And I think it's really great advice. You mention registering your own domain name, having control of that, uh, not letting your web designer, for example, have control of that. Do you have any other advice about domain names and securing a domain name? Certainly. I'm a big fan of securing more than one. That's not to say, you know, go nuts. I, I do have one client <laughs> that I worked with that like once they um they let me log into their domain registrar and I could see that they had something like a hundred and seventy domains wow. registered that were that were all like kind of variations on a theme. Um, and I'm like, guys, I, I think you've actually gone overboard. But, uh, you know, if, if there's a common misspelling of your name, for example, my, my own name is Avery Swartz. People often think it's Schwartz. Uh, mm-hmm. It's slightly different, but there are a few slightly, you know, different letters in there, different spelling. So when I was building my web presence just for myself, I made sure that if it was available, I was going to buy the alternative spellings um, in the domains. Also, uh, if you're a business that operates in different geographic areas, if there's different like country codes for, for your domain extension. Like, for example, I'm in Canada, where uh, we use .ca very commonly here. And and for your listeners in the UK, you know, you're quite familiar with .co.uk. So, so that idea of like, you know, if you're if you're in different regions, you may want to consider um, buying more than one domain name that has a different domain extension. So there there is a little bit of of some method to the madness of buying up multiple, but you probably don't need 170. <laughs> Do you remember the time, uh, man, it must be about 10 years ago now, when you could have your domain 
best florist oh, you know, Toronto yes. and all that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And, and, you know, it's hard buying domain names now because um, so many of them are taken. Yes. So, you know, if you're, if you're naming, um, you know, your, your business or if you're naming a project that you're trying to do, I mean, heck, if you're, if you're naming your child, um, you know, you, you might want to go and see if the domain name is available first before <laughs> you totally fall head over heels in love with a particular name. Yeah. Uh, so let's expand on, on websites a little bit more. What are some of the common mistakes that you see small business websites making? Oh, there are so many. <laughs> so, so many. Um, one that I definitely see, especially in, in 2020, is is the idea of both or, or either overbuilding or underbuilding your website. I hate to say this, and especially for any small business owners that may be listening and thinking, okay, you know, we just did a big web project. Um, I can't imagine ever doing it again. Well, you're probably going to have to do it again. You know, the, the shelf life of a website now, if you can get, say, three or four years out of a website, that's really great. So, what I'm hoping is seeing, you know, people that are that are either building new websites or revamping current websites right now, and and that's a that's a big thing right there. Always keeping your your website current and fresh, very important. Um, so I I want you to be looking to the future and looking to the horizon, both in terms of making sure that your website will be able to expand and grow with your business, mm-hmm. uh, but also you know some things that we're going to do to make your website a little bit more future proof. So we're going to try and make it fast. We're going to make it mobile friendly. We're going to build websites with accessibility in mind, so that anybody accessing the web who has a disability can also make sure that they can um, get to your content. Uh, and also, all those things are also the things that Google loves. So, if you're if you're optimizing for all of that on your website, that also gives you a little bit of an SEO boost. But also, really, really thinking about, again, like, what, what could you possibly need in the future? But then, it, by the same token, not overbuilding. You know, I, I see a lot of small businesses now are building out websites on e-commerce platforms when they don't currently have e-commerce and they're not planning on selling anything in the next six months. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Like, why are you building your website on Shopify if you don't sell anything? Shopify is amazing, but like you're opening up yourself for like way too much work. Like use Squarespace instead or or build a WordPress site or something. Um, So, so it's, it's like kind of, it's a bit like Goldilocks, like getting that, Mm -hmm. that perfect size. that's not too big, not too small, but that will also kind of grow with you at least a little bit. Yeah. So speed, definitely something they've got to keep an eye on. I, I was thinking as well, in terms of mistakes, things that tend to annoy me when I visit a site, pop-ups. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, pop-ups that you can't find the X yeah. to get rid of it. Yeah. 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 That's a uh, big one. <laughs> also, not really thinking about the, the visitor. Yeah. Uh, I know you talk about that in, in, in your book about making sure that copy and the flow of the site that you're, you're thinking of, of your visitor. Do you want to expand on any of that? Yeah. And actually, you know what? Um, I can kind of answer both of your points, like the idea of the pop-ups and also the visitor. All of these things can be mitigated and addressed if you 
actually just do a little bit of what what in the industry we call user testing, um, yeah. which is which is a terribly dehumanizing term. I don't I don't quite like that, but it boils down to in in a jargon free way. It's like, hey, why don't you just ask? You know, like ask your customers and clients if you if you have um, you know some go to customers or clients, some some of your favorites from the past or some prospects for the future. Um, you know, you can just casually ask them. Uh, hey, did you find what you were looking for on my website? Was there any part of my website you found confusing? Was there a moment where you were looking for something and you and you weren't exactly sure where to click? You don't want to ask people hypothetical questions. You want to ask them questions based on what they've experienced. And then that can help you uncover where the potential problems are. And that mm-hmm. also might help you uncover a moment where you might have someone that says, hey, listen, I was on your website. I was on my phone and a pop-up came up because that that's where the pop-ups are really, really bad is when you're on a mobile mm-hmm. device. They're they're annoying on, on the laptops for sure, but they're extremely annoying when you're on a smartphone. So, you know, someone says, hey, I was on your website on my smartphone, a pop-up came up, and I couldn't even get to your contact page because I couldn't find the X to close the pop-up. So, it, like, you know, it's so funny how often as small business owners, and I, I am one myself, so I'm guilty of this as well, we just make assumptions. We make mm-hmm. assumptions about our customers and clients and our website visitors and the people that we're reaching out to on social media and through digital marketing. We make assumptions that they're like us uh, or, or that we know them inside and out where it can be so easy to just ask and challenge those assumptions. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic point because you kind of try and do everything according to kind of your aesthetic and what you think and feel as opposed to focusing on on that that visitor and that potential client. For yeah. sure. And and that can often be, you know, the big difference between a successful business and frankly, a hobby. Um, you know, a, a business that's more built on vanity. You know, if, if you want to build a beautiful website that's aesthetically pleasing purely for yourself, then that is a gorgeous vanity project. <laughs> um, but if you want to build something that actually appeals to your target clients and customers, you're going to have to ask them what they think beyond just what you assume. Yeah, so true. So you mentioned in uh, you mentioned in your book as well about that it's not important to have a blog on your site, mm-hmm. and I I was kind of like that's controversial. It is, <laughs> and I was thinking that I would always say that a blog was important to have. So I'd be interested to for you to you know, kind of talk about why you think that a blog is not super important. Yeah. So, you know, it, it means we, we've got to go back to the roots of why we, why we thought they were important in the first place. And, um, no, first and foremost, if you're someone that enjoys writing and you have a long list of things that you think you could write blog posts about as they relate to your business that your your ideal customer or client would be interested in, then please, I give you all the permission in the world to go forth and write. I'm a writer. I enjoy writing. So I'm with you. Like, let's all write. But I do know some business owners that would rather vacuum out the trunk of their car than write a blog post. <laughs> and so for those people, I'm saying it's it's not an absolute must do. And and this is where my my nerdy um SEO friends and I get into like a little bit of a friendly debate. Um 
a lot of the reasoning behind the the advice about having a business blog is is twofold. Um, number one, it demonstrates um, a passion and an expertise for your industry, and it demonstrates that to your ideal customer or client. So it it does appeal to humans, but it also appeals to robots. And and what I mean by that is the more content and particularly rich content that has a lot of, you know, basically Google-friendly keywords uh, that relate to your industry, the more content that you can put on your website and that can be updated constantly, that's the beautiful thing about a blog is that you have to kind of keep it up to date, always adding fresh content, that actually does a lot for you when it comes to search engine optimization. So if you're trying to attract customers or clients through search marketing. So, um, you know, basically try, trying to, to rank higher in a Google search result for, for your ideal customer or client, then that's where blogging is a known strategy. It's, it's totally known to work, but it's not the only strategy. So I put that point in the book where I said, listen, if you want to blog, go for it, enjoy it. Uh, you know, I'm right here rooting for you, but if you find the idea of blogging to be a total slog and you would so much rather not, then it, it, it's not the only way to rock your SEO. Mm, yeah. I was thinking maybe if we didn't refer to it as a blog, but more of a content hub. Yes. So it allows for the other, for, it allows for the other media. So videos, podcasts, whatever can go on there. It doesn't have to always be the written word. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that. And, and giving people permission to be creative um, mm. because, you know, oftentimes with, with any smaller, medium-sized business that I've ever worked with, these are people that are deeply, deeply passionate about what they do. And it, it gives you a showcase and a platform to be able to to talk about all the things that have, that, you know, go into your business. So, you know, whether you're I don't know, an organic tomato farmer, you could probably like talk for hours about all the things that go into those tomatoes. Like, and, and that kind of energy and enthusiasm can be really contagious. Yeah, absolutely. So I appreciated your comparison of SEO in the book to, to weight loss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did because I thought, yeah, uh, it's, it's very true. You can't, you can't rush it. And, and if you want to achieve sustainable results, you've, you've, it's going to take some time and effort and you can't just use hacks and fads. And uh, in the days when I was doing SEO, it was so frustrating because there were all these black hat yes. SEOs out there that would be just doing what the heck they wanted and they'd be above your clients in the search results. And you, you have to try and tell them, no, you know, something's going to come along that's going to wipe these guys yeah. out eventually. Yeah, it's true. What, what advice do you have, maybe top two or three tips for a small business implementing an SEO campaign? Yeah, so there, there are lots and lots of um, advanced and you know, very detailed ways to do SEO, but the basics have kind of always been the same, um, which is uh, we we want to have really, really high quality content on our website. Uh, and we're writing that content for humans first and robots second. Mm -hmm. And it helps if you understand a little bit about how search engines work, because if you understand how they work, then you can kind of reverse engineer it a little bit. Uh, so that you can write the content of your website with your 
ideal customer or client in mind if you can kind of imagine what they might be searching for. And this is another area where it helps to ask people because you might have some assumptions about what your ideal customer or client is searching for. But, you know, you can literally just ask them what they're searching for or or what they they might type into um, a search query. And then you take those terms and you put them on your website so that, you know, then then your website is more likely to appear. Now, there is a bit of an art to where you put those keywords uh, and phrases on your website. You don't just like throw them anywhere you want. You want to put them in headings. You want to put them in page titles. You want to get them actually up in the URL if you can. Uh, so, so, you know, the domain name, but then also the full URL, like what comes after the slash. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, like th- those are the things that are that are the easiest for people to do because you have the most control over what's on your own website. Then there's this whole philosophy called backlinking, um, where you, you kind of go out into the greater web and try to get links that go back to your site. Because basically that gives Google and other search engines a bit of a, it's like a, it's like a vote that your website mm-hmm. is popular and cool if another website links to it. So you want to go out and try and get links. And and I mean this in a really authentic way, not a spammy way. So if you can be listed in a business directory, listed in a professional guild, you could be listed, you know, if you ever get any press, always ask for the link. If you're going to be featured, even in a, a local newspaper or magazine, ask them to link to your website. All of those things work very well for for what we call discoverability, which is people finding you. So they are going to work for humans to find you, but they also are going to work for discoverability from search engines like Google. Yeah. Backlinks are a nightmare. (laughs) They can be. What advice do you have when it comes to the debate about paying for backlinks versus trying to acquire them naturally? Ooh, that is so tough. Um, I know that it happens. So mm-hmm. I, I take a very pragmatic, realistic approach. Um, I know that people are out there paying for backlinks. So when when it does happen, I want to see it in um, much more of like, kind of like a like a paid um, advertorial, like, uh, like you know, I, I say this in the book, I've done it. I've done it for my own business. I, I basically bought my way in to a few regional, you know, places in Toronto, because I'm based in Toronto, um, some websites that are very, very popular, like, you know, blogging websites. Uh, I paid bloggers to write about my company and to include links. Um, we did it in a way that, that was, that had full disclosure. It did say this Mm -hmm. is a sponsored post. Um, and, and it works like it, it helps with with both discoverability and also with SEO. So I'm not totally against that. As long as there's disclosure, as long as people are very clear that this is advertorial or sponsored content. What I don't love is is this black hat SEO technique, like you were saying, um, the kind that we were we saw much more of a few years ago, where there would be these kind of very, very spammy looking websites um, mm-hmm. that just had nothing but links. And they yeah. were um, Google doesn't like sites like that. And and Google kind of pushes them down in, in search engine results now anyway. So if you buy your way into, you know, one of those linking schemes or a click farm or anything Ooh. like that, mm-hmm. like, ugh, that's gross. Um, and also like, 
you know, there's a reason why Google is one of the most um, valuable companies in the world. Like they are very, very, very good at what they do. Um, and they're very good at squashing that type of SEO. So I say, don't even bother with the shady stuff. Um, I, I think sponsored content is okay as long as it's uh, disclosed, but the, the really shady stuff don't even bother. It's just a waste of time and money. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember those sites that were literally just built to have short articles that sometimes didn't even make a whole lot of sense. And then to stick a link in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. People were making money on yes, that. Yes, yeah. so much. And, and they would they would do really, really shady stuff. Like, um, you know, if, if the background of the site was white, then they would have the Ooh. links were technically in white, so you couldn't see them, but they're technically on the page. Or they'd be in um, really, really, really small fonts, um, you know, off 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 to the side or something. Like, it's re- like, you could just tell by looking at it. You're like, this is not an authentic, you know, human (laughs) sort of thing. This is weird robot stuff. Yeah. So you really have to pay attention that if you at some point feel that you need to hire someone to take care of that stuff, that you keep a real eye on what they're... Absolutely. Absolutely. And and there's a story in the book about um, a client that I worked with once that, uh, you know, worked with one of those kind of SEO companies and was like, hey, we're going to get you these insane results on on Google search. And they were really seeing it. They're like, wow, I am like, I'm killing it. I'm number one on Google all everywhere. And then one of those big updates to Google that kind of cut mm. down on the, the spammers and the scammers, um, it came out and this person's web traffic was just decimated. Hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it can take a lot of time to recover. Sometimes you have to think of getting a new domain and starting from scratch. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's really, really hard. And and it just breaks my heart when I find that it's, you know, really heart-centered small businesses that are just trying to to do great work in their communities to see them get kind of slapped around like that. Ugh, drives me nuts. In terms of social media. Uh, you talk a lot about it in in the book. Do you have any recommendations for whether every business should think I'm going to go all in on social media? What's your advice on that? Yeah, so you know the the biggest piece of social media advice that I have in the book is to be selective, and and there. You know, I I love just being controversial and, and contradicting what a lot of other experts will say, and this and this is one of them. You know, you'll you'll get a lot of people that that live and breathe social media, and I'm one of them. Like I love social media. Twitter is my personal favorite, which is not most people's favorite. Um, no, <laughs> no, it's it's a bit of a hellscape. Um, but for some reason, I just can't quit it. Uh, I love Twitter. I have it going all day long. But I also know that, that that's not the reality for a lot of people, especially if you're someone that doesn't sit in front of a computer all day. Uh, you, you can't be everywhere for everyone. So you've got to be selective and strategic about where you are. So before you just jump in and and start you know, being active on social media, or even if you have, you may want to even think about potentially doing an audit. Are mm. the people that you're trying to reach actually in the places where you are. And what I mean by that is, you know, social media changes, right? Um, you know, in the last couple of years, we've seen a really big rise with the number of, of people on Instagram. Um, you know, you may be thinking, hey, all my people are hanging on Twitter. And you're like, 
are they really? Or have they left Twitter and now they're over on Instagram? Or have you been, you know, active on Pinterest? Or, uh, you know, if, you, if you've noticed a change in what's happening with your, your ideal client or your ideal customer and how you interact with them on Facebook, like this stuff changes and people migrate from different social media platforms to others. And then, you know, I had this thought, I was talking to a friend literally just earlier this week, so this is not in the book, but she really gave me an interesting thought about not only wanting to be in the right room, and, and I mean that by like, like which social media platform, like being in the right room with your ideal customer or client, but are you in the right room at the moment when they're thinking about what your business does? So I think what she meant by that was a bit like, um, you know, this, this is a person who, uh, who runs a childcare. And so she said that she could be really, really active on LinkedIn because yes, a lot of the, the people that, you know, use her childcare are professionals, but when they're on LinkedIn, they're not thinking about their children and they're not thinking about their childcare. They're thinking about business and, and, you know, chatting with their peers she finds that she can reach the exact same people, but she can reach them and talk to them about childcare issues when they're on Facebook or Instagram, which is when they tend to be a little bit more, you know, personal life focused, family focused, et cetera. So it's all about like finding the, the right place to talk to your people at the right time. Yeah, that's a good point. I am really all in on LinkedIn. I've never really gotten to grips with Twitter or Pinterest. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah, I really I do a lot of of uh, a lot of posting on LinkedIn, and I think it's really important to focus on one social media platform at a time. I totally agree with that point that you made in the book because you don't want to spread yourself too thin. If you're a massive company and you've got someone dedicated to that, then yeah, you can do multiple posts on on different platforms and and have different strategies. But if you are a small business and 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 you as the owner especially are handling that, focus on one, be excellent at one before you before you start looking at the others. Yeah. Absolutely. I heartily agree. And um and you know and there is also something to be said. This might be a bit contradictory, but there is also something to be said for for finding the social media platform that also feels comfortable for you. You know, I, I mentioned this in the book that I know that LinkedIn is probably a great place for me to build my business <laughs> as, as you know, an advisor and, and a consultant and somebody that writes books. And um, But I just personally don't like LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, prefer Twitter. Um, so I am on LinkedIn, but I'm not... I'm not using it like wholeheartedly and you can mm. tell um, yeah. like I'm, I'm not there. I'm like, my heart's not really, really in it. And so like, I probably should either just cut it completely or, you know, I think of it almost like like an eat your vegetables sort of task. Like it'll be, it's like going to the gym. It's like, okay, Avery, you know, you know, you you just have to do it. You have to do your thirty minutes of LinkedIn today, like you know, because it it can make a difference for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, what is the biggest message that you would want the readers of your book to take away? 
I think my biggest takeaway, like there, there are there are so many practical takeaways in the book. So, you know, I, I've received all these lovely photos of readers who are, um, want to show me their copies where they they have, um, you know, those little like post-it note, little like sticky tag things that oh, you can, yeah. you can yeah. put throughout the book where they've earmarked the pages and they've noted, you know, all the practical takeaways that they want to reference later. Um, so there are all of those, of course, but the big, big message is you can do this. It doesn't have to be overwhelming and intimidating and full of jargon and, and um, you know, businessy marketing, tech speak. You can actually do a fair bit of digital marketing and, and digital communications for your business on your own or maybe with a little bit of help. And I honestly think you can probably even enjoy it a little bit. If you just give yourself permission to make mistakes, um, mm. you know, play with it, find what feels right. You know, you're you're not going to break the internet. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you you have permission to kind of mess around a little bit, and um, you know, we always feel like people are watching our every step, and and we're so terrified of making a mistake. Um, but odds are, people really aren't watching you as closely as you think they are. So experiment a little bit and have some fun with it. Because like I said about my my company that teaches people these skills, I believe deeply, deeply, deeply that um, that small business owners, that, that medium-sized business owners, these are people who are whip smart, who really, really know what they're doing, who are experts in what they do. And just because you can't figure out a bit of technology right off the bat, that doesn't mean that you're a dum-dum. It doesn't mean you're an idiot. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't figure it out. You just have to give yourself permission to play and experiment and just kind of figure out what works for you. Excellent. So what's next? What's next for you? Oh my gosh. I have no idea. I mean, you know, it, it was really, really fun. Um, I say that sarcastically. It was fun releasing. Uh, th- this book came out on March 10. And then, you know, the World Health Organization uh, declared a pandemic on March 12. Um, wow. So yeah. it, was, it was a bit like, awesome. yeehaw. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had all of these plans. I had this big book tour and all these speaking, um, you know, plans that I was going to take me across Canada and the U.S. And actually, I was supposed to be in Scotland in August. Um, and, you know, that all went completely out the window. Um, but, you know, we're, we're finding new ways and, and new ways to reach people. I'm doing a heck of a lot of webinars and, and online training and, um, and also just trying to, to reach to reach my people, my, my beloved small and medium-sized business owners, um, to help out wherever I can. Because if the one thing that I have noticed is like, if you weren't taking this stuff seriously before, you're probably taking it seriously now. We've all seen how important it is to um, to make, you know, digital a, a core pillar of any type of business now. Yeah, 100%. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, as I as I told you when we were chatting before, I am an oversharer on the internet. Um, I, I uh, the title of the book, "See You on the Internet." Like I, I really am. I am online all the time. It drives my friends and family crazy. Um, but I am uh, at Avery Swartz, basically in all the places. Like I said, I love Twitter. I love Instagram. I'm also reluctantly on LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, and I have AverySwartz.com for information about me and SeeYouOnTheInternet.com for information about the book. Excellent. I will put links to all 
of that. I'll to, to your book website, your website, social media links as well. I'll put that in the show notes for the episode so that our listeners can uh, get in touch with you. Awesome. Thanks so much for talking to me today, Avery. It's great having you on the show. Oh, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave a five-star review on whichever app you're listening on. So check out the website businessboundpodcast.com for show notes and information about upcoming episodes. Until then... 